This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 386. Thanks to Rebalance Health for sponsoring the podcast. Rebalance has everything you need for stress management in a single system, uniquely formulated with natural ingredients for women and men. So optimize healthy cortisol levels and feel incredible throughout the day. Visit rebalancehealth.com. Use the code MTA for 20% off. That's rebalancehealth.com, code MTA. Thanks also to UCAN. We know it can be tricky to fuel during your run. UCAN is famously gentle on the stomach and provides a steady release of energy. You can try it out at UCAN.co forward slash MTA. That's UCAN.co slash MTA and save 20% with the code MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we inspire and motivate you to conquer the distance and become the best version of yourself. In this episode, we speak with lifestyle physician Dr. Darren Clare about the stress hormone cortisol. Why are we more stressed out than our ancient ancestors, and what can we as runners do about it? And don't forget, inside the Academy, as a member, you get all of our back podcast episodes, training plans, premium courses, and more. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Hey, hey, we are back. We are actually sitting in Avignon, France right now. Beautiful medieval city in Provence. We came to Europe right in time for a massive heat wave, apparently. Yes, we did. <laughs> and it's been challenging because the first couple Airbnbs did not have adequate air conditioning. Actually, the second one didn't have any air conditioning at all. Yes, and we are very spoiled Americans, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Used to having central air, and it was kind of a huge shock to the system. So yeah, we are on our way to the Mont Blanc Marathon and a couple other things. We're going to be road tripping uh, throughout Europe this summer. We are podcasting, of course, from the road and are excited about this episode. It's all about cortisol and stress. We're calling it the stress episode. And I have some personal anecdotes about stress. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. And travel that I could share in a moment. But let's start on a positive uh, note because we have some amazing reports that came back from the Grandma's Marathon in Duluth, Minnesota. Of course, Angie, you, you ran that marathon as your Minnesota race a couple years back. That's right. I think that was in 2018. Yeah, we heard from several Academy members. I'll read what they posted here. This first one comes from Ashley. She says, training for Grandma's Marathon 2022 really started for me in December of 2021 when I unexpectedly lost my dad to COVID after five horrific days of making medical decisions. I found myself in an unfamiliar place. I was not myself. I had no motivation to run or exercise or see friends or plan vacations. It was the lowest I've ever felt. I finished the month of January with a total of six miles. In February, I signed up with MTA coach Cindy and felt like I was starting from ground zero, despite having previously ran 10 marathons. Training was going pretty well. I was getting my long runs in consistently, hitting my race pace and tempo miles, and being consistent with strength work and recovery. Then at the end of April, I tested positive for COVID after avoiding it for two years. Luckily, it was a mild case, and after a few days, I was back to work and easing back into easy runs. I went into race day feeling like I had done the best I could with what the last six months had given me. 
I was happy to be running a familiar race. It was my fourth time at Grandma's, while not feeling like I was in PR shape. Coach Cindy gave me the advice to pace by heart rate, which is what I did through mile 20 or so. Although I didn't feel that great the second half, I finished in 4 hours, 25 minutes, and 36 seconds for marathon number 11. Thank you, Coach Cindy and MTA, for the inspiration and positivity. Well, congratulations on navigating so many challenges, so many unwanted things that were thrown in your path, like losing your dad. We're really proud of you for doing the best that you could and also just going into the Grandma's Marathon and giving it your best. So, Yeah, congratulations on completing Marathon number 11. This comes from Amy. She says, Marathon number 10 is in the books, 20 years after running my first marathon. My body might be 20 years older, but I was better trained for this race than I've ever been thanks to MTA coach Abby. Nice. I really wanted to run sub five hours, and when I rounded the curve, I saw I made my goal and was elated. My finish time was four hours, 49 minutes, and 46 seconds. That's great. Yeah, age is just a number, right? That's for sure. You can still run strong 20 years from now. And this comes from Mike in the Academy. He says, Today was special for a number of reasons. First, I began a running streak on January 1st, 2020, making today 900 straight days of running. Wow. Secondly, I started running marathons 15 years ago, and I've been an MTA listener and fan since it began. Thanks, Trevor and Angie. Almost eight years ago, I broke my C7 vertebrae while mountain biking at Deer Valley. I had the fire engine ride, helicopter ride, emergent spinal fusion, and the works. I'm very blessed to be able to walk, much less run. And while marathon times aren't the most important part, I've not been able to break 4.30 since my injury until today. Admittedly, it was a great day at Grandma's Marathon. I ran it because of Angie's review back in 2018. And yes, I used lots of third-person talking after mile 20 following the most recent podcast. That's a reference to our last podcast where Angie, you were sharing about how you refer to yourself, sometimes call out your own name. That's right. You can do it, Angie. (laughs) Which sounds kind of dumb, but give it a try. (laughs) That's right. It worked for Mike. He says, I was happy to finally achieve my sub 30 goal again. Thanks for all the positive posts here. You all continue to help me do hard things. That's cool. Thank you, Mike, for sharing that. And sub 430, uh, run there at Grandma's. That's a stellar time. Okay, one more great uh, shout out here from the Grandma's Marathon. This comes from Jane. She says, my first marathon is in the books. It was the most gorgeous day for running at Grandma's Marathon. I felt a sense of calm at the starting line, and I was able to stay in the moment for the most part and watch the miles tick by. I started feeling a little toe pain at mile six, but still felt pretty good at the halfway mark. At mile 16, I slowed to a walk, passed my friends, and grabbed a bottle of Ucan. When I started running again, there was so much burning in my toe that I stopped to take a look. I had a huge blister that had ripped, so I strapped on a couple of Band-Aids and kept on my way. I decided at that point that finishing would be my goal. I tried to disown my toe like your podcast taught me to. (laughs) Unfortunately, I started getting a second blister on my next toe. Without the foot trouble, I think I could have done really well. I fueled my whole race with UCAN. I had the UCAN snack bars, the edge gels, and the hydrate electrolyte mix. I usually finish my long runs feeling very nauseous, but I felt pretty darn great at the end thanks to UCAN. So thanks for introducing me to the product. It's been a huge game changer for my fueling. I never thought I'd be able to run a marathon. My mantra at the end was one I never used before, but it's what I will take from this experience into the rest of my life. It was, I can do hard-ass things. Thanks, MTA, for all your help in getting me through 26.2. Well, it sounds like your toes did not appreciate your decision to run a marathon, but (laughs) that happens. It reminded me of 
what Mike Wardian, the ultra runner, is doing right now. He's running across the U.S. doing like 50 miles a day. You know, he's just a machine. Yes. But uh, he's posting on Instagram, and he shared a photo of this massive, scary-looking blood blister on the side of his foot. It was probably the, one of the worst blisters I have seen. Yeah, it was It was a little bit gross, and even, I'm not even someone who gets grossed out. <laughs> yeah, Angie's a nurse. She's seen a lot of gross stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I can't imagine having to just strap that up and run your 50 miles the next day. It's just... But I'm going to think of Mike... When I'm trying to do my marathon this weekend, if this dude is is doing 50 miles a day on that foot, you know, what excuse do I have? Yeah, and I love how Jane was just able to keep going and, you know, use mental tricks and did a combination of run walking. That's that's what it takes when you have physical challenges like that. Exactly. You just kind of keep going the best you can. And like she said, we'll take away some great lessons from her first marathon. And we're so happy to hear that you can worked well for you. We were fueling with you can before they became a sponsor uh, because it just works so well. I mean, Angie's probably done over 50 marathons and countless long runs using you can. It's a patented formula they call Live Steady that is a slow release of carbohydrates. So instead of taking like a sugary gel, which will spike your energy, then you crash and you have to keep eating those things. I can get through a marathon with like two Yucan bars. They're not sugary. That's right. And the edge gels are just super convenient. I used them for the Boston Marathon recently. There's nothing like finishing and still feeling good and not having an upset stomach. Oh, yeah. And you can get 20% off with the code MTA. Just go to youcan.co forward slash MTA for 20% off. Well, hey, as we mentioned, we're traveling in Europe. We're going to be in France, Switzerland, Hungary, Germany, at least Bavaria, Italy, and uh, Spain. And Austria? Oh, yeah, and Austria. Oh, and Liechtenstein. Forgot about that one. And if we like it, we'll just maybe stay over here for a year or two. <laughs> the kids are giving us a side eye right now. <laughs> And another opportunity to come to an MTA meetup, of course, is the Richmond Marathon happening this year. Just want to give everybody a heads up. Um, Angie's running it. I'm going to do the half. It's in Virginia, of course, the capital city. Always beautiful in the fall. It takes place November 12th. We're going to have a meetup after the race, probably at a brewery, which is like my main reason for going. I don't know about yours, Angie. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to doing the half again. I did it last year and Really enjoyed it. Yeah, in addition to the half and marathon, they have an 8K, great fall scenery, awesome finisher swag. And another great thing is the course is mostly flat with some rolling hills, which makes it great for first timers or those looking for a PR. And best of all, there's a downhill finish right at the riverfront. Yeah, so if you're hearing this in time, you can beat the uh, July 1st price increase if you go to richmondmarathon.org, richmondmarathon.org, and let us know if you're going to be there. We'd love to see you. So this episode is all about stress, and I've got a quick story about our travels that I think pairs nicely with our episode on stress and cortisol. We flew into Madrid because we were pretty flexible on which country to fly into. I pretty much picked out the cheapest tickets and the place where I can get the cheapest rental car. Madrid was the most affordable, and I was excited because we'd never been to Spain, so we were uh, excited about going to Spain. Booked the tickets to American Airlines. Flew out of Reagan International Airport in D.C. with a connecting flight in Boston. And then Boston across the pond to Madrid on a red-eye flight through Iberia Airlines. That was what was supposed to happen. (laughs) Yeah, what could go wrong? (laughs) So we make it to Reagan and our first flight is delayed. As our flight to Boston was landing, our flight to Madrid was boarding. 
So we started to panic and we're like, man, we got to run over to the Iberia flight. Maybe we'll make it. So what we didn't realize was the international terminal is like Terminal E in Boston. We flew into Terminal B. We got to get on a bus, go through all the stops to get to E and then go through security at the international terminal. So by the time we make it through security and it's like really feeling doubtful, like our plane is is loading as we're going through security and everything's taking forever, of course. As it does when you're in a hurry. <laughs> I know, time is not on our side. So we get to the gate as our plane is taxiing away. We watch it taxi down the runway without us. Very sad. <laughs> so I went to the American desk, which is back in terminal B. And I said, hey, our flight was delayed. And they're like, okay, sorry about that. Here, we'll book you on tomorrow's flight, same time, because there's only one from Boston to Madrid on Iberia Airlines. We'll put you on tomorrow's flight. So they issued us new tickets, put us up in a hotel. We had to like cram into a taxi. We had to go like 14 miles out of town. Thankfully, the hotel was nice. We didn't have our check bag, so we're just making do. We get up the next day in our same clothes. <laughs> And go back to the Boston airport nice and early, plenty of time. Our flight doesn't leave till 5.20 p.m. So we get to the Iberia desk right as it opens. They print out our boarding passes that American Airlines issued the night before. And they said, hey, your son Liam's ticket doesn't have a ticket number. And I'm like, okay, can you just like give us one? And they're like, nope, that's American's problem. You got to talk to them. Give them a call. Well, I know to call American Airlines, it's like a two-hour wait on hold. So they told me, well, just go talk to him at the uh, American Airlines desk in Terminal B. So Liam and I walked to Terminal B. It's a mile walk. We get there. They're like, well, that's weird. We don't know what happened. The lady made a mistake last night when she issued our new tickets. It took forever for them to fix it. And they noticed that it said child on my ticket for some reason, but they couldn't fix it. But they said, that's okay. Uh, they should be able to change it in their system at Iberia. So I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. Liam and I walk all the way back to Terminal E, one mile walk. We get to Iberia. They printed out my boarding pass, and it still said CHILD, C-H-D. Those little three letters, they said, would prevent me from getting through security. So I'm like, okay, can you just change it? They're like, no, we can't change it. American Airlines issued the ticket. They have to change it. <laughs> I'm like, well, so they sent me here because they couldn't fix it. I'm like, well, we can't fix it. Too bad. Go back to American. I'm like, it's, I just came from there. It's like the impossible scenario where you're caught in this loop where yeah. no one can do anything for you or no one will do anything for you. Yeah, by this time, I have like two hours left, right? Now I'm racing against the clock for the second day. So I go back to American. I'm like, hey, they couldn't fix it. They're like, that's crazy. I'm like, what do we do? It's like, we'll just delete the ticket and issue you a new one. I'm like, okay, fine. They deleted it, issued me a new one. It was a big hassle because they had to like talk to the international desk and all this stuff. So supposedly we're good to go now. Rush back to Iberia. Now we have about 20 minutes before our plane starts boarding. Meanwhile, um, I and the older two boys had went through security again for the international flight just waiting for you and Liam to get the ticket situation figured out. So, you know, we're seeing our flight is starting to get ready to board and you're still not there, you know, kind of feeling stressed, texting back and forth. It was weird. Yeah, I was just being bounced back and forth. I was like stuck in airport hell. Like I've never had anything like this happen just because of technical glitch. It was just a mistake made by the agent and no one knew how to fix it. And Iberia said that I couldn't board the plane and I couldn't go through security. So long story short, we watch our plane taxi away for the second time. Yeah, and they absolutely refuse to let me go. I'm like, can I just try to get through security? Maybe they won't even look at my ticket. They're like, nope, you can't. Too bad. Go back to and talk to American again. At this time, I'm like thinking to myself, okay, it's the second day in a row I've tried to get on this flight. 
and I have gone back and forth between these two desks, and for some reason, they don't call each other. Like, no one will pick up the phone at Iberia and call American. These ticket desks are, like, separated by a mile, and I'm, like, having to run back and forth, just getting bounced around. At this point, I'm thinking, am I in a simulation? Am I in the Truman Show? This is unreal. It's just really weird. So after we missed our second flight, the Iberia flight that we should have been on left without us. Then American decided, forget Iberia, we're going to send you through British Airways. They don't care if your ticket says child. So we flew through Heathrow Airport, through London, made it to Madrid, lost a day of travel and a night of sleep. But um, we finally made it. I don't think we smelled too good by the time we got there. No. And when we landed in Madrid, it was just like a record heat wave. I think it was yeah. like 102 degrees. Yes. It was quite the three days of unexpected travel. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine if you would have measured our cortisol levels, we would have been spiking at the wrong time. That's right. So our guest today here to tell us all about the hormone cortisol and how to deal with stress as runners and people wanting to live a healthier life. So our guest today is Dr. Darren Clare. He has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. He's a graduate of Columbia University College of Physicians, one of only 300 doctors to have earned the title of Certified Lifestyle Physician. So we're going to talk to him about a lot of lifestyle issues, especially how runners can uh, manage stress along with training so you can keep doing what you love late into life. Dr. Claire is also the chief medical officer at Rebalance Health, a company that specializes in um, helping people balance their cortisol levels. So let's jump into the stress episode with special guest, Dr. Darren Claire. Well on my way, well on my way. All right, we're on the podcast now with Dr. Darren Clare, joining us from Southern California. Dr. Clare, welcome to the MTA podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, we were talking a little bit off mic that you have been a runner for a number of years. You were saying that when you were in medical school that you completed the New York City Marathon. Yeah, I um, going to medical school in New York City, I needed an outlet you know, running is great, as you both know, because regardless of what time it is and what else is going on, you can always throw on your shoes and take off for a while and, and get some get some exercise. So it, it worked well for me in medical school, and I just kept doing it after that. So I, I read in your bio that you're one of only 300 doctors uh, who is a certified lifestyle physician. So what exactly is a certified lifestyle physician? What kind of work does that enable you to do? Just uh, to be f totally accurate, I was one of the first 300. There's, I think there's about 600 now. But okay, gotcha. So, so but nonetheless, it's, it's a new specialty uh, similar to dermatology or nephrology. It's looking to employing better lifestyle habits to minimize chronic illness. And only after, after lifestyle is managed optimally do we then turn to medication. Hmm. Um, the, the truth of the matter is that studies show 80 to maybe even 90% of chronic illness is lifestyle related. Wow. So unfortunately, the way our system works, where doctors really just don't have the time to spend with people to help them appreciate that lifestyle changes can affect their health. And that has basically forced them into you know, quick solutions of medications. But, you know, that's not always the best answer because medications tend to have side effects and better lifestyle has side effects too, but they're all positive. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. 
And it tends to probably bring a lot of fragmented care because like you said, if you go to a dermatologist for a skin issue, it could be that your issue is in your gut or the skin issue is popping up because of some other lifestyle issue or um, thing like that. So I think that's a really important thing to look at is just not one system at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, part of the beauty of lifestyle medicine, uh, as you're suggesting is we tend to take the 30,000 foot view uh, and let's see how is your life and how, the way you're leading it impacting your health. You know, it's funny because a lot of times my patients uh, at the end of an appointment with me, and typically the appointments are anywhere from half an hour to an hour, they'll say, gee, I feel like I just had a, you know, a therapy session. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, maybe they have, but, you know, you can't, as you're kind of suggesting it, you can't divorce, you know, what's going on in their emotional private life with their blood pressure, with their blood sugar control, with their insomnia, you know, I mean, it's all related I just saw a funny meme on Facebook. There was a guy and he was looking kind of dumbfounded and it said, man who eats well and exercises wonders why he feels so good. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And you know, that's, it's funny because that, that is definitely the case when people uh, have started working with us at Vibrance, they just feel good. And, and for a lot of them, it's the first time that they can remember feeling so good. And again, it's just because they're living a life that's kind of more in tune with the instruction manual. And that's kind of what, you know, the rebalance system is all about. It's why I'm so excited to be part of rebalance because it's really designed to help us, particularly as athletes, but for anybody to function in better accord with what mother nature intended to Mm -hmm. improve our performance, to improve our health and to improve happiness as a result. So I'm curious, like as a lifestyle physician, is it hard to convince people that they need to change their lifestyle um, or are they sort of already convinced before they come to you? Because I've talked to a lot of regular MDs and they certainly meet a lot of people who just want the drugs to make them feel better. They're not really wanting to look at lifestyle issues, diet and so forth. But maybe that's changing. I hope it is. Yeah, it's a good question, Trevor. Honestly, one of the blessings, shall we say, that might not be the right word, uh, of COVID was for a lot of people, it was a wake-up call. You know, Mm. we have for the last at least 50 years or maybe a little longer than that, come to believe that, you know, modern science is going to save us uh, and we don't really need to do much. Uh, Just wait and and the the pill will come along that's going to fix our problem. Mm. Um, I've been aware of that, you know, from a long for a long time that that was not the case. And in fact, to give you an idea of where I come from, I uh, started out in uh, anesthesiology and I just got to a point where when I would be, you know, at three o'clock in the morning uh, in the operating room giving anesthesia in this emergency situation, which is, you know, even no matter where you are, it's a very dangerous time. Uh, It's a very serious uh, risk involved with having emergency surgery three o'clock in the morning. And I just found myself saying, gee, you know, if these people had just eaten a little differently, if they had just gotten a little more exercise, whatever it was, they wouldn't be here risking their life right now. Uh, Hmm. And so, 
you know, I realized that. And, and I think, again, getting back to COVID, I think a lot of people uh, just realize, hey, you know what, maybe modern medicine isn't always going to be there. Maybe we do need to start taking our health more seriously. And so my practice actually got busier, mm. uh, which I was very gratified to see. I think people are, Trevor, as you suggested, waking up to the idea that there's no magic pill for good health. Good health is a culmination of leading a healthy life. And I think sometimes we think we have more time. You know, you can kind of kick these issues down the road, but then something like COVID comes. Right. And if you are vulnerable in certain areas, then it can just be a lot more serious. I mean, even for healthy individuals, I think it was kind of a, a wake up call for <laughs> for some of us. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that we need to be taking seriously. Yeah, sometimes you don't have that that time to change because you just get hit with something that you weren't expecting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so I think the the numbers are somewhere like eighty percent of people who who succumbed to COVID had, you know, a couple of comorbidities, whether it's obesity or diabetes. But you very appropriately mentioned that even healthy, in quotation marks, mm -hmm. uh, people kind of got a wake-up call. Uh, and I think that some of those healthy people um, are people like marathoners who are trying to lead a healthy life, but they're basically burning the candle at both ends by training hard and not getting enough recovery, you know? Um, mm. So again, that's kind of the, the importance of having a good coach. And I was, I'm excited to get a good coach for when I try and do this half marathon uh, come December, because a good coach is going to help you train harder and also recover better. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you've done any reading on uh, like how the U.S. stacks up to other countries in terms of lifestyle stressors and healthy eating exercise. Like I'm sure we're at the bottom of the list. Like we're one of the most <laughs> unhealthy uh, countries. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, the U.S. spends over $3 trillion a year. I think it's coming close to four now uh, oh. on healthcare expenditures. And yet we rate like 27th in the world in terms of, you know, health statistics. Yeah. Um, it's just mind boggling. Uh, so Man. we're not doing very well. You know, I mean, it's, it's a whole nother discussion. We can have why that is. But, <laughs> uh, but regardless of outside influences, uh, I think people are just really beginning to wake up and appreciate that, hey, this is not a long ride we're here for. If I really want to get the most out of it, then I need to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, and to be healthy is more than just taking the right pills. You know, for instance, insulin, you know, diabetics, they take, uh, they may take metformin or insulin or glipizide or, but the thing is people think, oh, I'm taking my medication, so I'm fine. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that just taking insulin doesn't prevent the complications of diabetes. You're still, you know, at risk for blindness and kidney failure and amputations and all of that. The only way that's been shown to prevent and reverse diabetes as an adult, we're talking about, Type is two. through lifestyle, is through exercising and eating properly uh, and managing our health. So we're here kind of talking about stress today, and it seems like stress is rampant. I mean, you just have to go online to look at news articles 
And just reading online news makes me stressed. Yeah, me too. You know, and you read about how stress is rampant and it is an underlying cause or contributor to many chronic and acute conditions. Um, And we often hear the term cortisol in context of reducing or controlling stress. So I thought maybe we could start with the basics and you can tell us, is all stress bad? And how do we handle the amount of stress or are our bodies meant to handle the amount of stress that we put them under? <laughs> well, a lot of good, good points you just raised. And let me just first uh, say that, yeah, all hormones are good. Cortisol, the major stress hormone, uh, is what helps us survive. You know, it is responsible in large part for the fight or flight response and particularly for our ancestors help them survive, either fight or, or flee, you know, one or the other. Uh, without that, we, we couldn't live without cortisol. Um, our stress levels are tremendously high these days uh, due to the, the lifestyle we all lead, but also due to, you know, the media uh, and, and movies and TV. Um, if you want to increase sales, you have to get people's attention and creating stress Uh, gets people's attention. What happens over time, though, is people get used to that level of stress, and so it doesn't get their attention anymore. So the need is to increase the stress. You know, it's like when I was young, which is, again, a long time ago, (laughs) you go to a scary movie, and, you know, you didn't see any of the blood and guts that you see these days, and yet you were were scared. (laughs) These days, unless there's a lot of blood and guts, you know, it just doesn't get that same rise, you know. So basically, we have just uh, adopted this life of of increasing stress, which is really not, as I put it, uh, according to our instruction manual. You know, the lives that we lead were designed for the life that existed, you know, a million years or so ago, where there was not so much stress. Life was pretty chill most of the time. And that has created a lot of problems due to the fact that we lead the stressful life when we were designed to lead a life that was only occasionally punctuated by stress. So what do you mean specifically by instruction manual? Well, it's the phrase I use. And basically, uh, the way evolution works is evolution kind of fine-tunes our health, our, our lives, our responses uh, to maximize the chance that we will survive and therefore procreate and create more little Dr. Claire's or <laughs> little <laughs> little Trevor's or, or Angie's, right? We don't uh, need any more little Trevor's running around. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what Mother Nature has designed us to do. So that means that we needed to be able to fight or flight in the appropriate time, but we also needed to be able to rest and digest. And that requires a certain amount of time to do that. And our ancestors' lives were in tune with that. And, or should I say, evolution was in tune with, with what, the way our ancestors lived more appropriately. So that, you know, during the day they were more active, although their days were not nearly as active as ours are in general these days. And evenings were calm and night was long and restful. And so that's really what Mother Nature had intended for us. So we're talking, you know, primarily to runners and, you know, just the whole lifestyle aspect of stress. Why is it really important to focus on and actively manage stress levels um, in and outside of running? The 
cortisol response to stress uh, helps us perform better. It increases the sugar in our blood so that our muscles have energy. It increases the sugar that our brain has available so that it can focus better. It's great for, for maximizing performance. But on the other hand, again, you can't run day after day after day without having some recovery so that your supplies can be restored. You know, I mean, that's that's why there's a, a running season, right? Uh, you want to try and focus uh, your training, your sleep, everything so that you can get the most out of the out of the running season and peak at the right time, you know, for the, the big event, whatever that might be, the Boston Marathon for you, Angie, or, or, you know, France for you, Trevor. But after that, we need to recover, especially for runners, because we demand a lot of our bodies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, for someone who is training for a marathon, let's say, how can maybe an imbalance of cortisol show up during their training? And if it stays elevated, obviously, you said that cortisol is very important for performance, you know, not only um, physiologically, but cognitively. Um, but how can elevated cortisol mess with someone's training? Well, in the short term, like on a day to day basis, high cortisols, especially in the evening, can interfere with the amount of restorative sleep you get. Cortisol is stimulating, right? So if your cortisol level, if you're, I never encourage people to exercise vigorously in the evening uh, because that's going to, you know, raise your cortisol levels, which is going to stimulate your brain, uh, raise your blood sugar, all of which impairs sleep and decreases the amount of recovery you're going to get overnight. For me, that's one area. It's kind of like a keystone habit. If I'm not getting quality restorative sleep, it just kind of bleeds into every other area of my life. Um, and you would think that people who are training for a marathon or active would have improved sleep, but often people find that even though you know, they feel like they're trying to do the best they can for their health. You know, they're exercising regularly. They're trying their best to eat um, a healthy diet that sometimes they have trouble sleeping during the night. Um, so maybe can you talk about that for a little while? Why do people who are exercising regularly, you know, trying to do the best for their health have trouble sleeping? Um, is it cortisol related? What's going on there? Yeah, well, it, it very well might be cortisol related. It, uh, you know, a lot of it depends on uh, when they're training, you know, if they're training, as I uh, suggested earlier, training in the morning, I think it's better because that's when our naturally our cortisol levels are highest. But if uh, the only time they can get to go for a run is when they get home for work, well, again, uh, you know, it's it's you're going to be raising cortisol levels in the evening, uh, and unless cortisol levels are low at bedtime, uh, you're not going to get into the deep slow wave sleep or REM sleep as much, but it also depends on their diet. You know, again, eating later in the evening can also affect how quickly you can get into slow wave and REM sleep. And due to the fact that for some reason, there's some idea that, oh, I don't need eight hours sleep. I get by with six. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? That's, that's the biggest pervasive myth I think I've ever heard. There is no free lunch. You know, you need to get enough sleep. If you're crowding your sleep with only getting six hours and then, you know, you're not falling into deep sleep right away because, well, again, either training or eating or, you know what, if you're on your computer, 
because mm-hmm. now you spent you're training for a marathon, so you're spending a lot of time training. So that means you're pushing off some of the stuff you would normally do, let's say earlier in the evening or even in the afternoon. Now you're working on the computer right up until bedtime. Well, that's going to keep your your body and your brain stimulated. So it's going to take you longer to get into the slow wave and REM sleep, which means you have less time available to get those levels. And those times are when your body is really doing the restorative work. Mm-hmm. Trevor persecutes me because I'm kind of a sleep zealot. Um, I'm a really light sleeper. And I, I do find that I need a good eight hours of sleep a night. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've got like the, the blue blocking glasses in the evening and I'm off my computer. Our bedroom's cool. You know, there's blackout shades. I wear the sleep mask. I've got like a sound machine, like all the things, you know. <laughs> I give you a hard time because you go to bed at 9.15 every night like uh, like an old person. <laughs> so I can get eight hours, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> this is one old person that does that, and I really enjoy it. I feel a whole lot better when I do. But, you know, all the things you're doing, Angie, and I want to salute you for doing them, what they're doing is kind of mimicking Mother Nature, right? Mm. I mean, first of all, the blue blocking glasses, well, there was no computers. So there was no excess Blu-rays at, in the evening. Uh, come evening time, you know, the air temperature outside tends to drop. So in a, being in a cooler room is kind of mimicking Mother Nature. You know, just settling down the body prepares you for the good night's sleep. That's why we invented uh, Relax. It's because you can't just turn the switch off, you know. You have to prepare the body for a good night's sleep. So Relax is designed to take us from this energetic day into a settling down, preparing the body, reducing inflammation so that come bedtime, boom, you're out quickly. You get maximum amount of deep sleep and you get the maximum recovery as a result. How does it do it though? How does relax do it? Yes, sir. Well, the ingredients in it, um, you know, I'm very proud of the team we have that, uh, you know, have come up with these uh, formulations to really help people function, whether they're athletes or not, we want to maximize cortisol levels during the day. We also want to help them get maximum restorative sleep. So with RELAX, which is the superceutical, as we call it, that helps people prepare for sleep, we have a variety of things like magnesium, uh, which is a re- you know relaxes muscles. It also is calming. We have magnolia officinalis. Uh, we've got ginger, which reduces inflammation. Um, we've got sage, which is anti-inflammatory, and a number of other things. I won't go into the whole list, but but basically the idea is we're we, after the busy day, we're reducing inflammation, we're relaxing the brain and the body so that the person can most efficaciously fall into that deep restorative sleep. Without a glass of wine. Without a glass of wine, definitely. You know, that's before we uh, started the show, you had seen that I have an aura ring on. And that was really kind of an eye opener for me because uh, what I had realized through wearing it was, hmm, this glass of wine that I thought was going to be so good for me to getting a quality night's sleep is actually not helping at all because... Generally, what happens is the, the the sugar in the wine keeps your brain stimulated even though you're asleep. It's kind of like you may fall asleep, but your brain is still on. And so as a result of that, you don't get into the slow wave or the deep sleep as quickly, and you don't get the full restorative effect. You know, I had a patient just recently who is also an athlete. She's a tennis player. I've been helping her with her diet and balancing her hormones and things like that. 
And she came in the other day, because we've been talking about diet a lot. She came in the other day just radiant. And she's so happy. And she said, you know what? I finally took you up on it and stopped drinking wine in the evening. And I feel fantastic. <laughs> and it's really kind of counterintuitive. People think a glass of wine is going to help. It's like, actually, no, <laughs> it doesn't help at all. Well, that's kind of been your experience, Angie. Yeah, I definitely, if I have any alcohol in the evening at all, I notice poor quality sleep at night. I wake up tossing and turning and just a number of other symptoms. So yeah, I've had to pull the plug on most alcohol. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if our bodies can metabolize it, uh, well, uh, as you suggest, it's counterproductive, you know, for an athlete, it just, yeah. uh, or for that matter, you know, uh, an executive, you know, if yes. your brain's just not functioning as well, you know, and, and science proves it. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, um, if imbalanced cortisol levels affect male and female physiology differently and, if so, what are some ways that an imbalance might manifest for men as opposed to for women? Well, that's an interesting question uh, that honestly I don't know a lot about. I do know that men tend to respond with a greater cortisol surge uh, in the face of uh, stress than women. And I have also read that the areas of the brain that are stimulated in response to stress is a little bit different in men and women. Men, I, I understand, uh, stress seems to stimulate their prefrontal cortex. Uh, and in women, it's more, the, the limbic system is more primarily stimulated by stress. And there are some theories as to how that plays out in, in terms of you know, behavior and whatnot, which honestly, I haven't seen enough to be able to to comment on, but there's definitely seems to be, you know, a, an inborn uh, difference in the way men and women respond to, to stress. So I'm wondering, like, what else do you tell people who want to reduce their stress? Um, you mentioned not exercising at night because it raises cortisol levels. You mentioned uh, shutting off screens and all that artificial stimuli, like our ancestors going to sleep in dark conditions. What other sort of lifestyle changes or hacks could you recommend to people to help reduce their stress? Well, you know, I mean, there's there's many, many ways. Um, uh, yoga, deep abdominal breathing, uh, going yeah. for a walk, you know, some sort of low intensity exercise, uh, you know, watching a funny movie, hanging out with close friends, uh, all the meditation, of course. All those work. The problem is, is that people don't typically employ them. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the the key is to use the stress management techniques, whatever it is that you like to do that you're comfortable with, on a regular basis, including when you're not under a lot of stress, so that you actually do utilize them when you're under stress. Because part of the stress response is to have your whole being focus on the clear and present danger, whatever that is. And so you develop mm. uh, tunnel vision. Actually, you tend to focus in on the issue and therefore your responses become more limited. Whereas by using any of these stress management techniques, because your cortisol levels don't rise so much, you don't develop the same degree of tunnel vision, which allows you to see a wider variety of solutions to whatever that problem is. 
So it's the things that you do consistently over time that make the biggest difference. Let's say if you get in the habit of daily meditation so that, you know, when you are in a period of higher stress, you're more likely to turn to that rather than reaching for the alcohol, if that's your kind of stress relief method. Absolutely. So I know a lot of people are probably thinking, yeah, I've got a lot of stress in my life. Um, What is the most accurate way to determine if cortisol levels are imbalanced? And if our listeners determine that their levels are too high, what are some methods they can use to lower these levels? Well, yeah, I mean, the I use the aura ring on a daily basis just to to uh, help me get an idea of how my day is going. But the most accurate way to assess cortisol levels is actually through saliva, salivary testing. Honestly, you could do it with blood too. But uh, again, the problem is in blood, you see the, all the hormones travel in the blood, mostly attached to different proteins. So when you uh, collect a blood sample, you tend to get a combination of the free and therefore available to carry out the functions of that hormone. But you also get the bound hormone levels combined. And that when, when a hormone is bound within the blood to either albumin or blood cells or whatever, it's not available to bind with a receptor and carry out the function of that hormone. So the bound is inactive. So when you collect blood, you have the inactive plus the active, and it's hard to know what's actually active and available. In saliva, however, you only get the active hormone. So it's a more accurate determination of the hormone level. Plus the thing is with cortisol, again, when all things are functioning properly, your cortisol levels typically peak a half an hour after you wake up, okay? Uh, And if you're gonna use blood, it's kind of hard to find a clinical lab that's gonna be open at that hour. Uh, So that's kind of makes it kind of difficult to use uh, blood, but because saliva, you can collect a sample of that, you know, on your own at home. Uh, So it makes it much easier. So would um, a person's caffeine intake or even exercise that morning, let's say if they went to get a blood cortisol level drawn, would those factors influence um, what showed up? Okay. Sure. Sure. So yeah, it's going to throw it off. But again, you know, the the key is, is having peak levels early in the morning and then Again, when the adrenals are healthy, adrenals make your your cortisol, um, your cortisol levels normally will decline throughout the course of the day so that they'll be very low at bedtime so you can fall asleep and get a good night's sleep. Uh, Anything, like as you suggest, caffeine is going to affect it, eating, uh, exercise, driving on the freeway, listening to the news, those are all going (laughs) to affect your cortisol levels and can kind of mislead you. Really seeing that level first thing in the morning before the day starts getting to you, when your level should be peak, that's really, to my mind, the most important determination. So it's not like cortisol is always bad. It's it's useful. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. As I, as we said earlier, cortisol is a wonderful hormone. It's it's what makes us go. You know, it's helped us survive. It's, it's how we get stronger. Um, you know, it's like Nietzsche said, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. So whatever the stress is, um, it can help you. It can make you stronger as long as it's not all the time and we have time to recover, right, as our ancestors did. 
So it's those chronically elevated cortisol levels, that chronic stress that really kills, I guess, you know, with a lot of these chronic diseases. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's the combination of the different stresses that we're all under uh, in a chronic way that wear us down and lead to illness and disease and death. So I would imagine for someone training for a marathon, if they find themselves uh, not getting good sleep at night and their performance out there suffering during long runs or during just regular training runs, let's say they can't stay on their pace, they're just feeling tired and exhausted, it might be an indicator that their cortisol is imbalanced. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be uh, one of the first places I would I would look. I would, of course, if that was the case, I would call rebalance right away and, and get signed up for the, our product. <laughs> but, uh, but aside from that, of course, you know, diet, all the things I'm sure you folks know, you probably had people do podcasts on the importance of eating properly for training for a marathon. You know, it's, it's certainly different than, than just proper eating, you know, from the standpoint of you're burning a lot more calories, but they should be healthy calories, not just necessarily more. That's certainly an important component of it too. Well, we definitely appreciate our friends at Rebalance helping arrange this interview. So maybe walk us through the system. Uh, How does Rebalance work exactly if someone is to use it? Yeah. So basically um, taking our cue from from Mother Nature and uh, in terms of the rhythm of life, thinking in this uh, at this time about the circadian rhythm, as I suggested earlier, we after having had a good night's sleep, we are most energized in, uh, in the morning, able to take on the day in, in the best, uh, healthiest, most vigorous way. Uh, and, and that's what our uh, Energize product is all about. It's to, to maximize cortisol response. Then uh, later in the day, when the day's work is done, so to speak, for the early evening and evening, we designed Relax Again, kind of the same way we're talking about with with Angie's preparation for bedtime is we start uh, working with our body to prepare it for a good night's sleep by, again, helping it relax, reducing inflammation and that sort of thing. Uh, So that our dream catcher, which is the third product, which you take uh, right before bed, can help us get maximal slow wave and REM sleep and our body mm-hmm. is prepared to get those benefits because due to the relax, you know, our bodies are, are, have now settled down. And then, of course, due to the effect of the dream catcher and our, the good night's sleep we get as a result of that, which actually I documented. I was really, really excited because I documented on my Aura, because I've been using the Aura Ring for long enough, that once I started using Dreamcatcher, my sleep was noticeably better on my scores. Um, anyway, so the Dreamcatcher then prepares us to be energized and ready to take on the world the next day. Yeah, so I like the idea of balancing cortisol because you might need to boost it, you might need to bring it down, got to balance it. And when you're saying take Dreamcatcher, it's a lozenge. Yeah, yeah, very excited about this. This is something that uh, I think is is kind of the game changer, kind of separates us. The technology that we use has allowed a much greater absorption than is typically available, certainly uh, in any oral formulation whereby it's, you know, swallowed and digested and metabolized by the liver before it gets to the body. 
but even from other sublingually uh, absorbed type preparations, uh, the absorption is, is vastly improved uh, and allows us to really deliver a higher amount of each of these uh, nutraceuticals to the body. It's, it's very cool technology. Yeah, I like it. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And thanks again to Rebalance for making the interview possible. And uh, you were talking about the Rebalance system for managing cortisol. And if people want to learn more about that, of course, they can go to rebalancehealth.com forward slash MTA. So anything else we can tell people about Rebalance that uh, we haven't haven't said yet, that'd be helpful. Uh, You know, one thing that I think is kind of fun, uh, Justin Hyde, the CEO, came up with this concept that I love. Uh, and is based on, you know, restoring your mojo, right? Uh, which uh, for those who don't uh, know, mojo is, you know, kind of your swagger, your, your energy, mm-hmm. your confidence, relating to how you see your own performance, right? Which translates into kind of a personal magnetism. Um, but mm-hmm. mojo is based on a number of factors like stress, uh, focus, energy, mood, libido, uh, and by leading a healthy life, managing your cortisol levels really well, that'll help you maximize your mojo. Uh, and yeah. so uh, Justin created this mojo meter, <laughs> which is kind of cool. It's a little quiz you can take uh, if you go to the website, rebalancehealth.com. Um, it's kind of fun, and uh, it can give you some insight into how you stand. I like the idea of mojo. It reminds me of the song by the doors, LA woman. And there's sort of a bridge in the song where he just keeps repeating Mr. Mojo rising. Yeah. Keep on rising. It's a great song. (laughs) I remember finishing the uh, Marine Corps marathon, listening to that song in my playlist, just like shuffled to it during the last mile. (laughs) So keep your mojo high while you're marathon training. That's right. (laughs) I guess one last question. Um, you mentioned that you're going to be turning 69 this month. Um, my dad just turned 70. And um, like looking back at the lifestyle that you decided to live, looking back, is it, has it paid off? I think so. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, most people, uh, most people are kind of shocked when they meet me because I, I seem to have a, a level of fitness way beyond what they, uh, what they expect of a 69-year-old. I'm, you know, 69, but uh, you know, I basically take no medications, uh, have no health issues. I'm still physically very active and plan on being so for a long time. I, I was very, very enthused to see the, was it a podcast or an interview uh, that you did of a 70-year-old man who did the, the marathon in freaking unreal time, like three hours and 19 minutes or something? Yeah, that was uh, Gene? Gene Dykes. That's right. Yeah, Gene Dykes. Just amazing. You know, so <laughs> it, was, it was so encouraging to me, not just for my own self, but because that's what I'm always telling people, my patients and other people is, look, you're underselling your potential. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember reading uh, not too long ago about a gentleman who completed the triathlon in Hawaii. Kona Ironman. Oh, yeah. yeah, Kona Ironman. I want to say he was 86 mm-hmm. and he completed in 13 hours. I'm going, that is just amazing. And again, it's it's not that everybody needs to try and do that. It's just to me an indication of what our potential is if we practice good lifestyle, if we have good coaches and we dedicate ourselves, if we believe in ourselves and we're willing to do the work, you know, look what's possible. Look what the two of you have done. I mean, you're both phenomenal. 
No, thank you. And I, I like that it's, it's never too late. You know, there's people who are changing their lifestyle in their 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, and seeing a turnaround. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really encouraging. Like the, the investments you make in your health will pay off no matter your age. But the sooner the better. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. The sooner the better. But, but Angie is absolutely right. You know, your body, as long as you are breathing, your body has the ability to heal and recover. I've seen it time and time again in my 40 years of practice. Mm-hmm. Don't ever say I give up unless you really are ready to give up because right. um, yeah. the potential is still in us. Our bodies are amazing. Mm-hmm. have incredible recoverative uh, abilities uh, if our mind and body are you know together. Awesome. It's been an honor speaking with you. And thanks again, Dr. Claire, for uh, sharing your wisdom here with us on the MTA podcast. Well, thank you so much, Trevor and Angie. I really appreciate it. And I hope uh, I've been of some uh, help to your listeners. All right, Trevor here, still in France. A couple of days till the Mount Blanc Marathon. Trying to keep it stress-free. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Darren Claire. Learn more about what they got going on over at Rebalance at the website rebalancehealth.com. And also, they gave us a code for our listeners. Use MTA for 20% off their store. Balance your cortisol levels via a lozenge. Pretty cool stuff. Just want to say thank you for being a listener to the podcast. You guys are awesome. If we can help you in any way, please reach out. We've got a contact form on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. Until next time, remember you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way.